Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. His presence for a moment. It's hard to move on, isn't it? Lord Jesus, that is the prayer of our heart. How blessed are we to have you in our life. everyone. How good is it? Good having the musos down on the little round stage, the semicircle. Uh, we still at the moment have to preach from up here because of the recording, but I think we're going to get down there too, closer. So um, how is everyone? Good morning. Turn to the person next to you and say, good morning. Your hair looks so good. Tell them that this morning. Good. Yes, well, it is my birthday. I'm 32. My parents told me it's okay to lie about my age, plus a few decades. But I'm very pumped because I'm sharing my birthday with you today. But guess what? On Friday, Brad Noble, I am going to the zoo because I am a zoo person and there is a new zoo. Did you know there's a new zoo? It's called Sydney Zoo. And uh, so I've been tracking Sydney Zoo. I don't want to go in the holidays. I want to go on the weekend. So we're going Friday. Mark Zare doesn't like zoos. He feels sorry for the animals in the cages. Uh, and he's only a 90-minute zoo person. But I like to see all the animals. I like to read the plaques. And I have a combat answer for the guilt, the cage guilt. I just say to myself, this zoo is conserving the animals. That animal would get eaten in the wild if it wasn't in the zoo. And it works. So pray for our marriage that that holds up under the zoo stress. Uh, Praise God that they've got a good cafe that Mark Zare can sit in for two hours. I just send him to the cafe. All right, just a preview of the next couple of months. Uh, The next couple of weeks, Craig and I are doing a series on Go. It will be interrupted on Mother's Day. Between Mother's Day and Mother's Day will be excellent. The last Sunday night of our Go series, we're going to interview a guy in our church who used to be an atheist. I've had a great talk to him. He's got a very interesting story. It's very good to talk to someone that was an atheist. What were their barriers? What brought them back to God? What did Christians do that worked? And what did Christians do that didn't work? 
So that will be good. Mark Zare, this term, is going to be continuing his exegesis from the book of John. Who knows it's really good to preach from the book of the Bible. Jesus said that our lives are like a house. You can either build it on the sand or the rock. If we build it on the word of God, we build it on the rock. So that will be great with Mark Zare. And in June, we're going to do an enlarged theme. I want to give you an update of our building. And I want to speak on fruitfulness. You were designed and created for fruitfulness. It doesn't matter whether you're 95 or 19. You were created for fruitfulness, but the enemy doesn't want us to be fruitful. So they're the things we're going to be talking about the next couple of months. Right now, I'm going to invite Steve Trigg to come up. I've just asked him to come and share how Go works in his life and what Go looks like sharing his faith in his world. Thank you, Steve. Does it work? <laughs> right, okay. Thank you, church. You know, I believe Jesus has um, shown me that he wants to be, he wants me to be, uh, a man of God, a man of faith and a man of action. Um, and I wasn't always any of those things at all, really. Um, I didn't get saved till I was 32 and I wanted to, um, and the moment I did get saved, I thought the whole world wanted to be saved as well along with me. So I would go out there and crash people on the head with what I thought was the word of God. But I discovered after some opposition that um, they really didn't want to know most of them. And uh, I was probably doing more destruction to the kingdom than I was actually helping. Um, so I didn't see a lot of um, fruitfulness coming out of that. And the reason was is because I didn't know what the Word of God said. I had plenty of faith in um, whatever it was at that time that I was saved, but that was about it. So I had sort of like a, um, um, I wanted to pluck the fruit, but there was no root there, you know what I mean? Anyway, so I decided that I needed to do something about that. So I spent a lot of time reading the Bible and... Um, that was the only thing I decided I would read for a while. And um, I even went and taught scripture because it's amazing that um, you can't, you, you really need to know to teach, don't you? And um, let's hope I was teaching okay at that time. Um, but I, I believe God was showing me a lot. And um, he also showed me too that I needed to be a man of, um, uh, to go, a man of action. So I looked around and saw what the world was doing with the Word of God because I was so in love with the Word of God that um, I joined the Gideons. And the Gideons um, uh, were placing something, well, even today they're placing like 180,000 of these every day. That's amazing, isn't it? 66 million a year. And um, anyway, I wanted to be a part of that. So um, I did. I joined the Gideons and, and I go to schools and... I give out these little scriptures. Um, I've given out thousands of them. It's a real joy. Um, there's, um, yeah, there's, there's a thing that, there's probably two things that in my life um, at the moment. And giving out, evangelizing, um, using the word of God and this is sort of like a $2 tool to me, you know, and you can get them too, by the way, if you want to see me about it, for $2. Um, 
yeah, that $2 tool can sort of take you amazing places. And um, I believe God gives me favour too. Um, in the morning I'd wake up and I'd say, Lord, who have you got for me today? What have you got for me, you know? Who will you send me? There was a time in my life when I used to spend um, a lot of time um, maybe searching and trying to do it in my own strength. And uh, I don't anymore. I just wait for the Lord to send those people along and they come. I can remember just even recently on a holiday, we went to a... um, We got a motorhome and we go out and we go for walks and things like that. And people just front up. God does send you people. If you... If you ask in expectation that Lord will send you out someone, um, send you along the day, and it, it'll happen. It'll happen. And we've come in contact with people who we've been just so blessed to share the word of God with. It's been amazing. Um, <laughs> there was one particular occasion where um, we decided that, you know, we would just walk along this path and this lady we passed a couple of times and we struck up a conversation with her. And we said to her, um, would you like us to say a blessing over you? And by the way, or I'm not, what I'm saying is, <laughs> it's not a prayer, okay? This is a blessing. Um, so I, we just said a blessing. And you know, every time we've asked people that we might say a blessing over them, they've never refused. But if you have asked people that you could pray for them, and it's a different matter. They get pretty scary about that. Anyway, so we would say this blessing over them. And there's an acronym for, um, for this blessing thing um, that we've been doing too. And uh, I don't know, I've spoken to some people about it. And it sort of goes, um, well, it's on the last page here, so it sort of goes something like this. Um, yeah, find my notes here, make sure I get it right. Um, the first B, B for blessing is... Um, uh, the, uh, you're, you're asking God, well, you're not asking God, by the way. You're telling them that this is a Christian blessing, okay? But you're talking to the person about their needs, or you're listening to them, and you're actually going to say something about maybe their body, uh, the good thing about their body, not their hair, by the way. Like, for instance, if they might have sickness in their body, you might say, that, that, that sickness in your body will be gone that thing that is troubling you. We are going to bless that thing and it, turn it round for good. Uh, then you work through, like labour, uh, their labour, their work, their emotional health, their social, family, their spiritual insight. And in the end, you might just stick in that little bit about this is a blessing from the Lord Jesus. Um, so let's keep it a Christian blessing because there's plenty of blessings out there. Um, God will use your words. He will. Words are powerful. And uh, I want you to remember that, um, you know, (laughs) there is the power of life and death in our words. And uh, it is so important um, that we just listen to the Holy Spirit because we can't really save anyone. We can't do it at all, all. It's God who appoints the time. And there's lots of situations in life where um, (laughs) you'll miss it. God will speak to you through his Holy Spirit and you will miss it. And, um, but don't be afraid. Someone else is going to pick it up, okay? So I go into the world with the word of God and I give it as a gift and I'd like to give a gift away today too. Is there anyone here today, 
I challenge you, anyone here today that would like to take a testament with a promise in their heart that they would receive someone into their life that they could give it to. And I really, the person I really wanted to give it to was Roz. Roz, will you promise that you will open your heart to um, give that little testament away with, to someone today or tomorrow or in the next year? Yes, yes I will. Yes. yes. And, um, say, and I love it because it's wrapped and it's yes, got Yes, I know. It's yeah, very yeah. pretty. But anyway, there's so That's many beautiful. things. If you want to talk about how you can get those for $2, I'll be happy to do that. And, um, and anything else about this blessing thing, I'll be happy to walk you through it so you can understand how you can do that as your own little personal gift of evangelism to the world. Thank you, Steve. Let's thank him, church. That's wonderful, Steve. I wanted Steve to share because I just heard about that, you know, I don't know, he and Marilyn going on holidays, but not going on holidays from sharing their faith. So thank you, Steve and Marilyn. Now, what's happened? Oh, yeah. Thank you, Steve. It's given me a hand. I really appreciate that. And so many of you could come, so many of you could come up here and give your story of what does your go look like go is a part of our vision pathway so we have in our vision pathway we have love god which is an upward expression we have the next three belong grow and serve which are about within and then we have go which is out really the everything comes out of the first one loving god so if we love god and we're close to him, and we care about what he cares about. You know, Mark's only come to the zoo because he loves me, because he cares about me. If we're close to God, we will care about what's in his heart. What's important to God? What is important to God? The church. He gave his life for the church, and he's building the church. And people who aren't in the church. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he loves the world. Those are the two things that are in his heart. And if you don't care about those things, I challenge you, get closer to God. You get close to God, you care about what's in his heart. The title of the message this morning, got about 15 minutes, is Lift Up Your Eyes. I want to talk briefly about the church's mission, a bit of theology, my story, and how to go and not be weird. All right, John 17 says this, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, he's talking about us, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. And as you sent me into the world, Father, I am sending them, I am sending Joe, I am sending Sal, I am sending Roz. I'm not sending them just because they're articulate or extroverts or because they know everything. I am sending you all. And here is our mission in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. There are many great causes in the world. You know, the latest causes are these. Lobster empathy. Bill of Rights for Plants, and listen to this one, negative portrayal of snakes in movies. You can get a t-shirt about that. You can start a march, you can start a cause, you can start a GoFundMe for snakes. But Christ only has one mission and it hasn't changed over 2,000 years. It's go and make disciples. And you know, it's tempting 
for the church to get distracted by many causes. But the churches that have got distracted by the many other causes have imploded. If we want the power of Christ, if we want to partner with Christ and stay on track, we stay with the one mission. And I believe that one mission of going making disciples incorporates all the other great missions. As a church, we hold the tension, I think, of loving one another and keeping you happy. You want the coffee to be right. You want the music to be not not too loud, not too soft. Um, but also reaching those out there. And, you know, I think we've got to be careful of consumerism. You know, there's, in our culture now, there is consumerism, but that is not the church's culture. The church's culture has a counterculture, and it's one of serving. And I love you, but our mission is the ones out there. And to be a strong, united community, we've got the, we have to keep the same mission. We are a community with mission. And our mission is out there. I love you, but I love my friend, Beck, who is out there. All right. The theology of evangelism. The word evangelism comes from the word euangelion. And it is found in Mark 1.14. It says this, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. That's the first time evangelism appeared. turns up in the scripture. The word means the act of communicating the gospel and bringing the good news. It's not the method, the medium, the occasion, the audience. It is the communication of the gospel in word and action. The Bible doesn't give one single method of formula. There's no one way to do evangelism. That's why Steve said there, his two, that's how he operates in with those two. Our role And your role and my role is the go, is the evangelism, is to communicate the gospel in word and action. Our role is not God's. We are not choosing who gets saved. That's the Father's role. We are not saving people from their sin. That's Christ's role. We are not lighting people up with revelation when they believe. Whose role is that? That's the Holy Spirit's role. So we have this tension of his responsibility His sovereignty, sorry, his sovereignty and our responsibility. And we can't do his role. And guess what? He's not going to do our role. Our role is to bring the good news, to create as less barriers as we can, the people in your world, to bring the good news, to create as less barriers as you can with the people in your world and not be weird. Let me just say this. We do the external We do the outward action. So when Steve gives a Bible, he gives the outward action. The Holy Spirit is doing the inside action. Sometimes they combine. Sometimes they collide. You're doing the external action. Holy Spirit's doing an inside work. That person gets over the line. That person gets saved. But lots of times they don't collide. But I'm going to talk to you then about not getting discouraged because you don't know what the Holy Spirit is doing. You know, when we first... Uh, a year before Mark and I got saved, we went to, someone invited us to a Billy Graham crusade. At the end, they gave an altar call. Mark said, Ros, let's go out the front. I thought, why do you want to go out the front? I don't want to become a Christian. He said, let's go out the front. We went out the front and this guy came to us. He was a counsellor and he asked for our details. Well, Mark got the shock of his life and Mark swore at him. It wasn't the F word, don't panic. It was another word. But Mark told him where to go and the guy looked at him and off he went. 
And, you know, I hope that guy didn't get discouraged and didn't give up. But actually what was happening, we were in our last year of battle. You know, they say the fish that are just about to be caught put up the hardest fight. And that was Mark and I. The enemy was having a go and we were resisting. But a year later, we got completely saved. So that guy didn't actually know what was going on inside of us. The Holy Spirit is doing something inside people, but you don't know. Our responsibility is to go. Like my, okay, now I'm going to just share briefly my story. When I was 17, I wasn't a Christian. One night I was coming home from the pub. There were five of us. We didn't have any seatbelts. The driver said, I'm going to see how fast I can take this corner. We slid out, car lost control, mounted the gutter, and I looked up and saw a telegraph pole staring me down. I should have died that night. That telegraph pole should have split our car in half. However, the telegraph pole was old, and it broke into three pieces, and our car landed on its roof. I remember every detail. I didn't want to open my eyes because I thought I might be dead. But then I heard groaning from the front and I thought, oh, I'm still in the car. I'm not dead. So being the selfless person I was, I crawled out the front window in case the car ignited and left my mates behind. We all survived. There were broken bones, surgery and stitches, but none of us died. However, this thought stayed with me, church, that I should have died that night and I had no preparation. I had no preparation. If I had hit that telegraph pole, I would have had two seconds to get right with God, and I wasn't ready. And there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that said, God has set eternity in the hearts of man, and it is true. We have this thing as human beings, we know we're going to die, and we want to live forever. And you know, last week, a young man, 16 years old, was stabbed at Kincumber in the thigh, and off-duty fireman raced to him, tried to stop the bleeding, put a tourniquet around his leg, and it, he said this, the boy looked at me and said, am I going to die? And I've got to tell you, that boy will never be the same. I think he's going to survive. But once you've stood and looked eternity in the face, you are never the same. So that accident started a three-year spiritual journey, which ended me coming to Christ when I was 20 years old. And in that journey, there were four significant people that brought their light to me, that guided me to Christ. And then in the end, the Holy Spirit lit me up and I brought me from darkness to light. There were no healings. There were no miraculous signs in those three years. There was nothing written in the sky, but there were these four people. I just want to share briefly, mostly about the first two and then the last two. But I just want to say this. Matthew 5 says this, your lives light up the world. You are the light of the world. That's a promise for you. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. It doesn't matter how dim your light is. Even a dim light, you can still lights up the darkness. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp, then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's a place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. Don't hide your light. Don't hide your light. It's magnificent and people want it. Every one of you have a different light. What kind of light are you? There's different lights in the world, aren't there? Spotlights, flashlights, lights on your phone. God uses your little container, your personality, your strengths and your weaknesses to be the kind of light that you are. 
And God needs unique lights. And you are unique lights. So be you. Jesus Christ is the light in you. So the first one is this. I want to say this. You can be a Debbie. Not a Karen. Nobody wants to be a Karen. Not Karen Kemp. You remember that last year, the mask and the bunnings. You can be a Debbie. You can be a friend and you can be real. Our church is good at being real. You can be a friend and you can be real. I met Debbie Askew when I was 17 at Teachers College. She was different to everybody else I had seen. She had the warmest smile that lit up a room and she was a gymnast. And I was so impressed by gymnasts. She could do cartwheels, handstands, splits, all that, all those kinds of things. She was a Christian. She merged her worlds. She didn't have Christian world, non-Christian world. She merged her worlds. She didn't gossip, which was rare. But this was the clincher. One of our college friends died in a car accident. I sat at the back of the funeral. She walked down the aisle. I was completely devastated. And this girl, Debbie Askew, had a face full of hope. I had never ever seen hope around death. I went up to her and I said, why aren't you devastated? And she said this, I know where Margaret has gone. Margaret was a strong Christian. I know where Margaret has gone. I know I will see her again. Debbie never preached to me, but I watched the hope and she gave me the hope just on that face in that Funeral, she had a profound influence on Mark and I. 1 Thessalonians 2 says this, We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. That's the key. You don't have to do many. You don't have to save the whole world. You don't have to change the world. Just have a couple of people in your world and be a good friend to them and be real. The other thing is this. And I don't know whether this, I think this is scriptural. You know, I'm not going to be friends with a 25-year-old guy that's a bikey. There's no synergy there. You know, my friends are my school friends, some of my book club friends, the dog park friends, and my neighbours. And guess what? We've got synergy. You don't have to be friends with people that, in the natural world, you wouldn't be friends with. Just be friends with people who are like you. Jesus did that. Jesus chose chose 12 to disciple them. And guess what it said? He chose 12 he wanted to be with. Don't make it hard work. You're going to have the bikey, 25-year-old bikey things, but they will be random good Samaritan moments. So take the pressure off. Just have friends that you want to be with. The next one is this. You can be a Steve. Stephen was my brother. He was the one that invited me to the young adults group and then invited me to the youth camp. The camp was where Mark and I both became Christians. You can be an inviter. You don't need to have all the answers, but you can invite someone. You remember this scripture in John 1, when Philip finds Christ, and then he goes to Nathaniel, and he says, Nathaniel, come and see, I have met the Messiah. Nathaniel said, oh, what good thing comes out of Galilee? But he wasn't put off. Don't be put off. Philip said, no, come and see. And he took him to Christ and he met Christ. I have had great successes and great failures with invites. I once invited a young guy to a miraculous healing evangelist. This guy could make people whose legs were shorter grow. That was kind of the big thing in the 80s. 
Joe Durheim. That's what, that was the big thing. Everyone would go at the front. Everyone would have a leg shorter than the other. And the leg would grow. And we just all thought it was amazing. So I don't know what idiotic thought was in my brain, but I invited this guy. He sat there. And at the end, the guy, the preacher, took up his own love offering. And he did it twice. And it was manipulative and pushive. And I just sat there going, shut up. Have <laughs> you ever been somewhere and you took someone to a Christian thing and you just think, shut up, shut up, don't sing that song again. <laughs> anyway, I said, how was it? And he said, yeah, I knew it was just what I thought. It's all about money. I took another friend once to church. She sat there. She was silent all the way through. In the middle of the worship, the preacher got up and said, I've got a word for someone here as far as the, far as the east is from the west. So far has your sin been removed. At the end of the service, I said, how'd you go? Tears streaming down her face. She said, that man spoke to me. God spoke to me today. The other, so be an inviter. You know, my brother, to be honest, had a big yield, a fairly big yield. He invited me. I invited Mark. Out of that invite, all of Mark's family was saved. I've had three, I've brought three friends to Christ got this church and really my three kids that's a good yield and it's not over yet I'm working on someone in the dog park I bought her flowers I bought her flowers the other day she's got cancer eternity set in the hearts of men and she's just so soft the other two significant people was Michael he was the greeter on the door the first time I went first impression of church is so I walked into that young adults group and they loved one another. I'd been in lots of groups. I had never seen that kind of genuine love and I wanted it. And the other was Mark Strom who preached the gospel. He preached the gospel at the camp, gave me understanding. So I'll just say this, you've got to know the gospel. And I don't know, Craig and I, we did kind of connect before doing this series. I don't know whether we're sticking to script. <clears throat> but even if you don't know the gospel, you know your story. You know what Christ has done in your life. And guess what else you know? You know that he loves them. And you know that he answers prayers. He loves answering unchurched people's prayers. Be encouraged. It's the last one. Jesus was undiscourageable, indiscourageable. You know, the last few hours of his life, betrayed by his friends, misunderstood, flogged, deserted by his disciples, mocked, in pain, hanging on the cross. I would have said, God, I don't care what this bloke next to me wants. It's my time. And Jesus Christ led the man next to him. Really, through the sinners to salvation still. Beautiful scripture, John 4 says this. As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, Why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Behold, I say to you, Macquarie, I say to you, Roz, lift up your eyes. Look at all the people coming. Now is the harvest time. 
Their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a harvest. You know what the Holy Spirit said to me a while back? He said, people are so hungry spiritually. Occasionally they're not. I went to lunch with a guy a few years ago and I had never met anyone that was so spiritually dead. There was nothing. Nothing happening. The Holy Spirit said to me, pray. When you've got people in your world like that, all you can do is pray that the ground softens. Do you know, many people are hungry spiritually. They're not looking necessarily looking for church or Christianity. They don't know what they're looking for, but they're looking for Christ. Deep down, they're looking to know that they're going to be all right when they die. And that question that everyone has, am I good enough? Am I loved? You are so loved. Beck at Maitland, you are so loved. I want you to stand. We're just going to have a lift up your eyes moment before I finish. I love what Christ says. All through the scripture church, what does he say to us? Lift up your eyes. Do you know why? Because we're human beings. We start looking down at the dust in our own world. But we're people of faith. And he says to us, no, lift up your eyes and see how I see. We have to see how he sees and hear how he sees. I want you to close your eyes. And the question I put to you this morning, well, he puts to you is this, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes, Jess. Lift up your eyes. Eric, what do you see? Everyone sees differently. What do you see with your spiritual eyes into your future? Do you see the sons and daughters coming home? Do you see family coming to Christ? Do you see you being able to share confidently? Do you see your prayers being answered? Do you see the whole earth filled with the glory of God? Do you see the prodigals coming home? Who do you see? What do you see? Do you see who you call to? Every one of you called differently to a different sphere. Some to young people, to some to kids, some to politics, business, just your neighbourhood, to young mums, exactly like Jill. Lift up your eyes. Father, I pray as we lift up our eyes, right across here we will see faith. You said the harvest is ready, so we take off discouragement. And we see with your eyes, we see with your faith. We will not be discouraged. Father, lead us, send us into the world and send the ones who are ready, Father. And Father, give us a great freedom in our souls to share our faith, Father. And I pray that what we can see, we will hold in front of our eyes. We will never let go. And it will collide with your faith and your working 
and we will see it. We declare that we will see it. And while every eye is closed, I want to give you this invitation to come to Christ. Every eye closed, if you would like to come to Christ this morning and do what happened to me when I was 20 years old, I heard the gospel that I was a sinner and I needed Jesus Christ to forgive me and save me and get me right with God. And I said, yes. And I got right. I asked Christ into my life and he came into my life and lit me up. And I've never looked back. I've been lit up on the inside ever since. And he loves me. So while every eye is closed, if that is you and you would like to pray a prayer, I just want you to look up and look at me. Look up. Say, Roz, that's me. I want to pray. Would you pray with me? Today I want to invite Christ into my life. Would you pray with me? Good. Good, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray. I'll pray the prayer. You just pray in your heart. Lord Jesus, I ask you today, the 2nd of May, 2021, to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me for all my stuff-ups. Thank you for always loving me, for always knowing me knowing me. Come into my life and be my friend. Light me up on the inside and walk with me in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.